Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. So those are youth leaders. Those are people who every single Wednesday night volunteer and serve with the teenagers that we have. And we're so grateful for them. Let's express our appreciation to them. So they decided to get together, put together this fun little video. And there has been a drastic change since that video was recorded. Yesterday at 4.11, Pastor Madison welcomed their baby girl into the world, Hazel May. Hazel May was born, and uh, so Pastor Madison, if you're watching online, and Tyler, congratulations, we're so excited for you, and uh, wow, it's just amazing. So, but that moonwalk, I mean, was amazing that she did. So anyway, very, very grateful for them and for their leadership. Church is just going to continue to grow. You're going to keep inviting people, and people are going to keep having babies. So, uh, so let's go. We'll grow up one baby at a time. Very, very grateful for them. Well, I just want to say an early Merry Christmas to all of you. And I want to extend a personal invitation for you to come celebrate my birthday with me uh, on the 24th. So some of you are like, ah, that's funny. No, it really is my birthday on December 24th. And some of you are like, poor pastor, you got to share your birthday with Jesus. It gets worse. I have a twin brother. So... I mean, I share it with, any, with him and with Jesus, but here's the deal. We want to encourage you to come to the Christmas Eve service. There are some special elements that we have planned, and it's just going to be a great candlelight service at 4 o'clock, and uh, we just want to encourage you not to miss it. Speaking of not wanting to miss it, last weekend was amazing. It was amazing. Now, I'm just going to tell you a couple things. Number one, uh, the sound system cut out three times during worship. I, we have no idea what happened. It just like blinked. It was like the power went out and the sound stopped. That was not an intentional deal from the sound, uh, I mean, from the worship team. They weren't like, hey, let's have this cool cut three different times where people go, what happened? Uh, so uh, we have no idea what happened, but I'm just grateful for the people who keep it cool back there. Drew and Brian in the sound booth, you guys are amazing, right? But then I thought maybe it's just a glitch all the way around because Romeo was straight up preaching fire this morning and it was like the audience sound got shut off. <laughs> I was like, how, how are y'all not clapping right now at what, what he's saying? And so uh, anyway, as we talk about this past weekend, it was phenomenal. Y'all are still quiet, but I'm just going to go with it, right? So uh, I want to say a special thanks to Carrie Burrish, and to Marissa Burris for being the directors of that. They did a phenomenal job leading it. In addition to that, there were over 200 volunteers, as Pastor Dan shared, that made last weekend happen at all three services. And so it was just phenomenal. Let's one more time give God praise for that. So if you were part of it in any way, I just from the bottom of my heart want to say uh, thank you. We got to the final service, the 1015 service last weekend, and came up to the moment where like it's just the end, right? And congratulating, I mean, thanking these people uh, for each part. And I just got emotional. I mean, I was just moved with emotion to see what God did last weekend. It was phenomenal. If you missed it, I encourage you to watch online, crosspointwaverly.com, Facebook, or YouTube, and, uh, and you can watch the video there. It's hard to believe that the countdown to Christmas has brought us to this moment where we're just a few short days of celebrating the birth of our Savior. 
This past weekend, we had our dress rehearsal on Friday night. Everything went well with that. I got to church early on Saturday and wore some comfortable clothes. And as we approached the service time, I changed into my suit. And I'm interacting with you and I'm walking around the building and everything's going great. And then I walk backstage and I look out and I see that the five-minute countdown had begun. And all of a sudden, it got real. All that we had prayed over, all that we had prepared for, there was no turning back, right? The countdown clock was going, the room was full, we were going to move on with it. And I'll just be completely honest with you, I got butterflies in my stomach. I got nervous last week standing there when I saw the five-minute countdown happen. And uh, I'll just tell you that, you know, that's a small deal compared to what happened for Mary and Joseph and those that were an integral part of, to the first Christmas, Right, Christmas has slipped upon us, but for those celebrating the first Christmas, the moments leading up to it, in those moments, it was about to get real for them. As we look at the Bible today, uh, the Bible is a collection of books that are all united, sharing the comprehensive story of the gospel. Genesis tells us the beginning of creation. Revelation tells us all the way up to the point to the end. And everything in between is this narrative, this continuous narrative that's pointing to the redemptive love of God. The, the Bible's divided into two unique parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament begins with Matthew and continues with the other Gospels, Mark, Luke, and John. The Old Testament is filled with prophecies of the coming Messiah, People would have heard these prophecies, they would have known these prophecies, they would have heard them in the temple. They would know the stories, but there was a mystery as to when the Messiah would actually come. And so for many, there was excitement and anticipation because of the promise. But for some, the excitement and anticipation was tempered because it hadn't happened yet and no one knew when the Messiah would come. In many ways, we can draw some parallels to the modern day. As followers of Jesus, we read in the Bible that Jesus will return again. And for many, there's this excitement and this anticipation for a second coming, but for others, hearts have grown cold, and for some, the uncertainty has caused apathy. The Christmas story is about Jesus showing up in an unlikely way, in an unlikely place, with an unlikely couple at an unlikely time. For Mary and Joseph and those close to them to know the prophecies, to know the promises as they came closer to the due date, things were about to get real. The countdown clock had begun. In the Old Testament, there are over 300 prophecies about Jesus. And there might be some of you in this room today who are listening or those who are watching online and you question the reliability of the Bible or you question, is Jesus who he says he is? Pastor Andy Stanley says frequently that if a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I just go with whatever that man says. Right? If a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I just go with whatever that man says. Peter Stoner, chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena College, was passionate about biblical prophecies. And so he gathered 600 InterVarsity students, and they looked at eight specific prophecies about Jesus. Now, keep in mind, there are over 300. They looked at eight specifically, and they came up with an extremely conservative probability for each one being fulfilled, and then considered the likelihood of all eight of those uh, prophecies being fulfilled by Jesus. And the conclusion to their research was staggering. The prospect that anyone would satisfy those eight prophecies was just one in 10 to the 17th power. 
So he described it like this. He said, let us try to visualize this chance. If you mark one of 10 tickets and place all of the tickets in a hat, thoroughly stir them, and ask a blindfolded man to draw one out, his chance of getting that ticket is one in 10. But he says, suppose we take 10 to the 17th power silver coins and we lay them on the face of Texas. He says, it'll cover the entire face of Texas and be two foot deep. He says, now mark one of those silver dollars and stir the whole mass up thoroughly all over the state and then blindfold a person and tell them that they can walk as far as they want to. But when they stop, they need to bend down and pick up the one coin that's been marked. What chance would they have of getting that, that, the right one? He says, just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing these eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man from their day to the present time, providing they wrote using their own wisdom. And that is an amazing image to build faith and confidence that Jesus is who he says he is and will do what he says he's going to do. So this morning, we're going to look specifically at a few of the prophecies that allude to the birth of Jesus as well as the birth narrative. And I hope that by the end of this message today, that you will see that God is who he says he is and that he does what he says he'll do. Not only was Christ's birth miraculously, uh, Christ's miraculous birth prophetically revealed, but God planned his lineage from the very beginning. I came across this blog in preparation for this message called the Jesus Film Blog. And they listed off a number of these different prophecies, but they had eight prophecies specifically about uh, the birth of Jesus. And I want to share those with you this morning. They're going to appear on the screen. And I'll just tell you, I've not done anything like this before. There's a lot of scripture that we're going to look at today because I want you to see where the prophecies exist in the Old Testament as well as their fulfillment in the New Testament. So I'm going to ask that you grab a piece of paper and a pen or pull out your phones and take notes because as we go through this, we're not going to elaborate on each of these. Instead, we're just going to point it out. I want you to be able to see the connection this morning. Fisher, thanks for creating the slides. You're going to see the, new t- the Old Testament verse and then the New Testament verse on the slide as well and see the connections. The first prophecy that we're going to look at is, the, is that the nations will be blessed through Abraham's lineage. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, the Lord is saying to Abraham these words. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse you. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The fulfillment of that is found in Acts chapter 3, verse number 25 and 26. It says, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. The second prophecy is that God's covenant with Isaac's ancestors. God's covenant with Isaac's ancestors. In Genesis chapter 17, verse number 19, he says, God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. And the fulfillment is found in Romans chapter 9, verse 7. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. The third prophecy, the nations will be blessed through Jacob's offspring. Prophecies found in Genesis chapter 28, verse number 14. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. 
The fulfillment is that Jacob is part of Jesus' genealogy. Luke chapter 3, verse 34 records this. The son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor. Fourth, the scepter will come through Judah. The prophecy is found in Genesis chapter 49, verse number 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. The fulfillment of it, Judah is part of Jesus' genealogy. In Luke chapter 3, verse 33, to the son of Abinadab, the son of Admin, the son of Arni, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah. And the fifth prophecy, we're, not, we're just now getting past the halfway point of this. And these are just a few of the prophecies about Jesus. Number five, David's offspring will have an eternal kingdom. Second Samuel chapter seven, verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. You shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. The fulfillment of that is found in Matthew chapter 1, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. This one will be familiar to many of you. The sixth one, a virgin will give birth and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14 is where this is found. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The fulfillment of it. Luke chapter 1, 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The seventh, the Messiah will end up in Egypt. The prophecy is found in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him and out of Egypt I called my son. The fulfillment, Matthew chapter 2, verse 14. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. And finally, the eighth one, the Christ will be born in Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from, an old, from old, from ancient days. And the fulfillment is found in Matthew chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so is it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. There's this overwhelming accuracy and detail to shape the expectation and the fulfillment of the coming Messiah. And this morning, we just quickly looked at eight of the 300 prophecies. And the words of the Old Testament would have been written long before the fulfillment of what took place in the New Testament. And so this Christmas season, as Pastor Levinsky talked about in, in Romeo, it, I love when the Holy Spirit orchestrates a service and just leads us all to this point without even the prior knowledge of what the others are going to say. But while gathering with our family for Christmas this weekend, giving and exchanging of gifts is fun. This is not the most important part of Christmas. Christmas is about the day when Jesus came to bring hope. And I hope that today, if you're not a follower of him, that today would be the day where Christmas would become real to you. 
That today would be the day that you would realize that Christmas goes beyond just watching Rudolph and singing Christmas carols, and instead that the words of Luke chapter 2, verse number 11, are for you. Luke chapter 2, verse number 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Today is the day for salvation. He was born to be your Savior. So Matthew begins this gospel with the genealogy of Jesus. And it's a fascinating study to look at the genealogy. Maybe for some of you, you look at a genealogy and you see all of the names and you just check out of that and you go, why is this even important? And I'll just tell you that if you'll do a study on the genealogy of Jesus, it is very fascinating. Because every name that's written in the genealogy has a story. Right? And some of those stories are more colored than what you would even imagine. And so it's fascinating to see that God would show up in unlikely places at unlikely times with unlikely people. And if you do a study on the genealogy, you'll see it. We don't have time this morning to do that. But let's pick up in verse number 18 of Matthew chapter 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus." Matthew chapter 1, we see that this angel has appeared to Joseph, and he tells him what's about to happen. And I just wonder this morning, have you ever had God clearly speak something to you that you thought, God, there is no way in the world, especially for those of you who are married, there's no way in the world that I can share that with my wife and her believe me. God, you're going to have to speak whatever that is that you've spoken to me, to my wife, I don't even have the words to describe for Mary and Joseph, and you're going to see that an angel appeared to both of them and spoke the same word to them that would happen. And so clearly Mary would know that uh, before Joseph that this is going to happen, but, but individually they don't know that the other knows, Right, And so how in the world, I don't even have the words to begin to describe how big this moment is. How do you look at your, your future spouse and tell them what the angel has just revealed to you without the angel also revealing that to them? Fortunately for them, they, uh, God spoke to both of them. And here's the words that they said to jo- the angel said to Joseph, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph's just been told this, and the Christmas story is about Jesus showing up in an unlikely way, in an unlikely place, in an unlikely couple, at an unlikely time. God is still showing up in an unlikely way. He's still showing up in unlikely places and unlikely times with unlikely people. And so how in the world could they communicate it with one another? Well, instead, uh, the angel 
appear to both of them. And I just want to do this side note here and just encourage you that when God speaks something so big to you that uh, rather, so here's what I'm saying. In my situation with my wife, she's sitting right here on the front row. And so for those of you who are new to your church, new to our church, and you're like, why in the world do you keep looking at this lady on the front row? Well, that's because she's my wife. So if there's this moment in my life where I believe that God has spoken something very big to me, rather than me just going to her right now and telling her something that she is gonna have a difficult time believing, what I'm gonna do instead is I'm gonna pray and say, God, would you please reveal to Erica the same thing? So here's a simple illustration to that. Uh, eight, almost eight years ago, I came and spoke at this church in February uh, as a guest speaker. I was a missionary, and, uh, and I came and spoke. And I sensed from after speaking here that God was going to move us here. But we had young kids. We're happy in Des Moines. And, and so I'm just like, God, if, if this is you, you're going to have to reveal this to my wife as well because I, I can't move to Waverly by myself. Right? And so I called her on the way home and I said, hey, babe, do you want to move to Waverly? To which I expected, are you crazy? <laughs> And she said, sure, why not? <laughs> and what I didn't know is that God was already communicating in her spirit something. Like she was already sensing a transition that I was not sensing. And she had not communicated to me, hey, I feel like God's going to be moving us on soon. I had no idea. I was perfectly content and happy with what I was doing. But in this situation, God spoke to me when I was here and had already spoken to her. And rather than her telling me what I need to do or what we need to do or me telling her what we need to do, instead the Holy Spirit spoke to both of us. And I just want to encourage you as married couples to allow God to speak to both of you. Like he spoke to Mary and to Joseph. And I'm just telling you, he's still speaking to people today. Amen. So the angel appears to Mary and she says that he's, that she's going to conceive a baby and name him Jesus. And so the narrative picks up in verse number 32. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who, is, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. I love it. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The angel not only tells her that she's going to have a baby and his name is going to be Jesus, but that her relative was also expecting a baby. Her relative, who the Bible says was old and was called barren, was six months pregnant because verse number 37, for nothing is impossible with God. So God is who he says he is and he does what he says he's going to do. And so God spoke to both Mary and to Joseph. Each word, each one of them heard the word of the Lord, and each of them responded with obedience. In Luke chapter 1, 38, Mary said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, Matthew records Joseph's response. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. They both responded with obedience, and look at what God did through them. 
Mary goes to Elizabeth's house, and in verse number 41, it says that the baby inside of Elizabeth's womb leaped with joy when she heard Mary's greeting. And for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you'll know that Elizabeth's son, the, the baby that was in the womb, was John the Baptist. And so when John the Baptist is hearing the greeting of Mary, he's rejoicing that the Savior has come. When Erica was uh, pretty far along with our daughter Juliana, who's sitting beside her, uh, I was at work one day and she called me and she said, I've not felt the baby move for some time now and I've scheduled a doctor's appointment. And so I rode to the doctor's appointment with my wife and I'll just tell you, we both were expecting the worst and hoping for something far better. And we get into the doctor's office and the, the lady grabs the ultrasound machine and she's trying to listen to the heartbeat and this is what they do and she's struggling to find a heartbeat and it was devastating for us. We thought, you know, the, our worst fears have been realized. You know, if she's, this is what she's trained to do and this is what she do and she can't find the heartbeat, then this is not good. So I began to speak to Juliana and, and as I talked to her, then her heart rate went up and they found, uh, they found her heart rate and we rejoiced and we celebrated. And I went back to, I was on staff at a church in Des Moines and the pastor is Glenn, was Glenn Reynolds and many of you know him, he's spoken at our church several times. And I, I was telling him the story and I said, and when I began to speak, her heart rate picked up and they picked it up and he said, you know, the same thing happens to me when you speak. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. The moment finally arrived for the Messiah to be born, and again, he made his appearance in an unlikely way, in an unlikely time, with an unlikely couple. And I wonder how many people missed it because they weren't ready. I wonder how many missed that first Christmas and missed the coming of the Messiah because they had grown weary in waiting. I read an interesting article this week that asked the question, when did Americans lose their British accent? When did Americans lose their British accent? I think it's a fascinating uh, question, but it's a difficult one to answer. It's difficult to answer because the first audio recording was in 1860, and so there's this silent gap of nearly 300 years where there's no way to know what the accents sounded like, and so it's impossible to determine the exact time when Americans began to lose their British accent. But one thing is certain, that the further that we have gotten away from that moment, the less we resemble the accent of, the, of our early ancestors. In fact, the separation of time has created a more defined distinction. And I'd like to draw a parallel thought here that the further we get from Christ's first coming, the closer we get to his second. And the further that we get from one, the closer that we get to the other, the more that we need to resemble Christ's likeness. So just because the church is 2,000 years removed from the first coming doesn't mean that it shouldn't resemble what Christ intended. The closer that we get to his second coming, the more we need to resemble him. We can't lose the accent and we can't lose the culture because as Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. In the waiting, in the journey, it's still about God showing up in unlikely ways, in unlikely places, with unlikely people at an unlikely time. This Christmas season, may we be reminded that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do. 
Let us live as people who celebrate the first coming of Jesus, but look forward with great excitement and anticipation to his second. And as we wait, let us commit to walking in obedience to whatever he speaks to us. I know that for Mary and Joseph, the the call upon their life, the promise that was given, the way that God used them was a miraculous and a unique situation. But they were still unlikely people. And as I think about what God has done in our church in almost the last eight years, and just to know that this is the beginning, right, that he wants to do even more, that God is still showing up in unlikely places with unlikely people. And as we await his second coming, may we be a church that is awake and alive, that is filled with expectancy and anticipation and urgency. That even this week, as we think about Christmas, that we wouldn't let the message of the gospel and the hope of Jesus reside only in our hearts, but that we would let that light shine to others. That every day, as we get further away from the one and we get closer to the other, that every day as we look in the mirror, that the foggy image, the image that doesn't look like Christ would continue to clear up day by day until we see a clear reflection of his face. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, and you say, today I want to become a follower of him. This Christmas season, I want Christmas to be real to me, and I want to invite Jesus into my life to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him, and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Two, are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's stand all across this room. There were at least two hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer, and if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer, we want to encourage you along in this decision that you've made and the journey that God's going to take you on. We'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Text the word yes to 319-250-8998.
Well, we leave time at the end of the service for, uh, for prayer. And so if you've come here today and you're like, I need a touch in my life or my family, and you just want somebody to pray for you, the prayer team's gonna come forward here in just a moment. And, uh, and I would encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward. I wanna pray a prayer of blessing over you. Worship team's gonna lead us in a song. And as they do, I wanna encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you are who you say you are and that you do what you say you're gonna do. This morning we're encouraged by the over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that we see Jesus that you fulfilled in the New Testament. We know that your word is reliable and that you are trustworthy. And so God, I pray for those that have come in this morning who've questioned that, who haven't made that commitment to become a follower of you, that today would be a day that they would see that you are who you say you are, you do what you say you're gonna do, that you will fulfill promises. God, I pray that you would give the courage to turn hearts to you. Lord, for others that you've given a promise to and they've grown weary or cold in the waiting, I pray that today would be a day that they would pick that promise back up and that they would trust you to fulfill it. God, we pray that this week as we uh, look ahead to the Christmas season that you would give us opportunities to share the light of Jesus with others, to share hope with others. And we pray that as we do, as we share the gospel, that it would fall upon receptive hearts and people would be turned to you in this season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.